<clears throat> what, if I were to ask you the question to describe to me what total depravity is, what would you say? How would you describe it to someone that doesn't even know or have the concept of the word? That's phrased in a question. There we go. Okay, so if you're going to explain this to Joseph, how would you do that? How would you explain total depravity? Now, <clears throat> uh, we have gone over it, okay? So... Okay. There's two, there's two thoughts, right? There's total depravity, which means man will always be sinful. Every aspect of what they do, even when they, and we've gone over this, and so I'm not going to spend a ton of time. If you want to get, you know, more on these verses, we can talk about it. Or you can go back and listen to the Sunday school lessons. But um, when, when we get into Romans chapter 3 and it says that none do good, uh, we understand that to mean good in the sight of God and how they interact with God, okay? Uh, and we, the scenario I gave is if a man stops on the side of the road to help Joe change your tire and he is an unbeliever, did he do something good? The answer would be yes, okay? But ultimately, he's glorifying himself in that act. And um, there is, so in the act towards God, there is no, there's nothing good there. There's nothing man can do at all within himself to glorify or be good or do anything that would be um, pleasing to God. Nothing we do in our nature as sinners, as deprived humans, will ever please God, okay? <clears throat> um, and it's because of the original sin, okay? Because of original sin, <clears throat> we have been separated and our nature is as children of darkness, okay? We see that uh, from birth, Okay? We have a depraved nature from birth. That's your blank there. All right, Psalms 51.5. Someone grab Psalms 51.5. And someone else grab Psalms 58.3. Psalm 58.3. And we'll see that from the womb, uh, we are born sinners. Fifty-one five and fifty-three. <clears throat> if you got it, just go ahead and read it. Okay. Okay. So in sin, my mother conceived me. So with he, the David is saying, even in the womb. My mother conceived me in sin, um, therefore when I come out, I am going to be a child of sin. Okay, 58.3. The wicked are estranged from the womb, those who speak lies go astray from birth. Okay. Stray from birth. All right, so 
And this isn't a hard concept to understand. Any of us that have had children or been around children um, from birth know that they're wicked little sinners. All right? <clears throat> There's no denying it. They might be cute, wicked little sinners, but they are still wicked little sinners. Uh, no one has had to teach them to do uh, wrong or lie or cheat or anything. Okay? Throw fits. So this, <clears throat> what I'm... What I'm intent are hoping to do today again there's two views <clears throat> uh, partial depravity or complete depravity okay if you were to describe partial depravity does anyone have a concept or the ability to explain what uh, is meant by partial depravity what's that kind of sin okay Okay, so the concept behind partial depravity is we're, we're, we're in sin and completely depraved uh, with a sin nature, but in part we have, we're going to have the opportunity to choose God. That's the concept behind partial depravity. We're not, we're not completely depraved without the ability to choose God. Okay, so those are the two kind of ideas um, that, are, that are out there and that people that read the same text that we are reading today uh, will understand. And, and, and they also bring in other texts. And what I'm going to say, we're not going to be able to cover it all today. There are texts out there that uh, the other side, those that believe in partial depravity or believe that men have the opportunity to choose God, there are passages there that, that seem to teach that man has a choice or that man can choose God. And what I'm going to do today is give the side that says we can't choose God and that we are completely depraved. And if you understand the, this concept, those passages, I believe, make more sense in what they're saying. And we when we're confused on two different, it seems like the Bible is saying two different things. We take what we know to be true and we understand in the light of what we maybe don't understand. And we either leave it there and say, this is in God's hands. I know what scripture says in these passages that we're going to go over. The ones that say something contrary to that obviously is not saying something contrary. It's saying something I don't understand. And, and maybe I don't fully, I'm not putting the, the, the connections together because God would not teach two different forms of salvation. Okay? So, in our depravity, it starts at birth. Okay? Our second line there, we are deprived, uh, we have a deprived nature for life. Okay? For life. This is not something uh, that we eventually grow out of. Okay? Romans 3 and verse 12. Someone grab that. Psalm 14 3. Psalm 14 3. And then Romans 7, the whole chapter. We're not going to read it. But if you want to know about the, the struggle that man has with depravity for the entirety of life, reflect back on the entirety of Romans chapter 7. 
All right, but these specific verses, these other two, uh, give us the understanding that we struggle with it uh, even into adulthood. So Romans 3 and verse 12. Okay, so this is just talking about our sinful, we, it's all, we're, we're sinful creatures. Uh, we're going to be judged uh, under the law, through the law. It, we're just always going to struggle and have a sin nature, even after salvation. It is a part of our, we don't, we're, we have both natures that we struggle with after salvation. But this is a lifelong struggle. Uh, the depravity that we have, uh, that fallen, sinful nature. Psalm 14.3. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Okay. None even. There's not one that does good. Okay. Um, and we obviously see that in uh, Romans, throughout Romans 3. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, all in there. And we'll, we'll read those here in just a minute, okay? Um, and then in chapter 7, Paul, in Romans chapter 7, just finished that uh, couple, a month and a half or two ago. And Paul gives a clear picture of the struggle that he has with sin and the nature. The beginning part is before salvation. The latter part is after it is a part of our life, and we can't get away from it. That the total inability uh, to be uh, to to seek after God because of our sin. Okay, uh, our third point here: we are dead spiritually. Spiritually is your blank. We are dead, and this is this is where. Um, my mind began to start to change. And my mind began to understand more clearly what Scripture is teaching. When, it, when I started to understand the concept, we are dead spiritually. Okay? Dead. When you say someone is dead, what, what would you mean by that? Does a dead person have the ability to do anything? Okay. Yes, no? No. I, I really want the in, I want you guys to fully get the concept. A dead person has no ability to what? Choose, have will. They don't, they don't do anything. Okay? They're locked. They just get worse. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, even what, after three days, right? Lazarus? Lord, you're bringing him out. He stinks by this time. Four days has gone by. Okay, and so there, there's nothing good, and we, we are dead. Ephesians uh, talks about this. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and then Colossians 2, 13. Okay, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Colossians 2.13. What, what does this say? Okay. 
Ephesians 2, 1, 2, 3, what does it say? And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Okay, so very clearly we are um, dead in our trespasses and sins. So what is it, what do we take from what Ephesians is saying here? Are we dead? Physically? No. We are dead spiritually, okay? Because it says formerly walked, all of those type things. Well, you can't walk if you're dead physically. So this is... Um, a spiritual reference to your spiritual life is completely dead. Dead, 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 dead. Okay? And, and I really want, I'm not trying to make a joke there. I really want to get the emphasis across you're spiritually dead. Dead. Okay? And that will make, that will come to understanding as we get going, or we continue through this. Uh, Colossians three or Colossians two thirteen. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Okay, so the latter part of that verse um, is where we'll get to at the the latter part of the the lesson here. The beginning of that verse is talking about we were dead in our trespasses. Okay. Romans 5 and 12. So let's just, uh, let's go ahead and just go there since we're in the book of Romans. Okay, Romans 5. For just as through one man's sin, who is that one man? Adam. Okay, so just through that one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, now in this verse, there are three different deaths that uh, we can understand through here. Okay, so your first blank there is the passage, Romans 5.12. Your first or your, your second blank would be a physical death. Okay, Adam... Um, was designed to live forever, okay? When God created Adam, he was designed to live forever uh, in fellowship with God. Adam uh, sinned, and so physical death came upon him, okay? As a result of sin, spiritual death also came upon all humanity, so because of sin, that spiritual death happened within our spirit and we were separated from God through that. And thirdly, eternal death is another consequence of that sin. Eternal death, eternal damnation. Okay? So this is the three deaths that happen because of original sin. Because of that first sin uh, that started off our depraved 
uh, nature, okay? These are very important aspects to understand in this whole concept when we start talking about uh, salvation and whether we choose God or God chooses us, okay? The spiritual death. Any thoughts or questions on, on that? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, and that gets into uh, our next point here, okay? Unless there's any other questions or thoughts on, on what we've covered so far. Okay, our next point. We do not choose God. Okay? We don't choose God. I'm going to give you some verses, and then we'll talk about this for a minute. Okay, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14. Romans 3.10 and 11. Romans 8, 7 and 8. Okay, so... If you had someone come to you, and, and, I, and I want to get some interaction here. If you had someone come to you and say, uh, I believe that I, can, uh, that I chose God for salvation. I chose Him for salvation. Someone shared the gospel with me, and I, their understanding is, I chose Him. Okay? I came to the knowledge by reading Scripture, and I, you know, I basically... I just felt like I needed to choose God. Someone comes to you with that phraseology, okay, using those type phrases, how are you going to respond to him or her? Okay. Now that that's good, okay. But from God's word. Yeah. Because we can be very clever in how we say things, but if we don't use the power of God's word, our, our words are, are just clever. Okay? They don't have any power within them. So if someone says, I've chosen God, how would you respond to that person? We're correcting their, their phrase. So we, we don't know if someone's a true believer or not, right? Okay, so this person could be a true believer, or they could be someone that's un, unregenerated. This isn't the, the understanding is how <clears throat> we want to acknowledge their, and this is you know, like a friendly conversation. This isn't a witnessing necessarily. 
Uh, this is a conversation between you and maybe a friend or whatever. And they're using the words, I chose God. How would we, how would we interact with that concept? If they chose God. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to, you know, I'm not putting, I don't know them all. That's why I have them on my paper, okay? <laughs> um. So, yeah, the, the scriptures are full, but I just made a really big point just a minute ago. What was that point? Why? Because we're dead, okay? We're dead. Dead people have no ability to what? Choose, okay? The choosing... That, they, that a person is talking about is the, within their spirit. Okay? This isn't a physical choosing. This is you know, all a spiritual work. Okay? A person cannot choose God because they are spiritually dead. Okay? When I begin to grasp the concept of I had no ability to choose God because I was spiritually dead, it started to really transform my understanding of who God is and how He works. It really did. It, it was very transforming in my life. And although I say that like it happened quickly, it still took some time for me to, to wrestle with what I had grown up learning and we grew up learning, and this is the sermon I preached just last Sunday uh, with the songs that we sing that put the pressure of leading someone to, to Christ all on the individual, all on me. All right, we, we, when I went to Bible college, uh, they would give us a paper, and, uh, <clears throat> and on that paper, it would <clears throat> um, say, how many people did you lead to Christ this week? That was one of the questions that was on the paper. I don't lead. In, God does all of it. I share the gospel with them. I don't lead them in the aspect that if they don't, if I'm dragging them to salvation, I share the gospel with them. God does all the work. You can have um, a, a, the most eloquent speaker share the gospel with someone and they reject and you can have a child share a 
basic, raw understanding of Scripture, and that person gets saved. Why? Because it's a work of God, not how clever we are. Okay? We share the gospel. Why? Yeah, we don't share it because the world is going to go to hell if they don't hear it from you or I. God will save them whether the rocks cry out or humans tell them. His purpose in uh, how he shares, how, how the gospel gets out is through humanity. That is how God has chosen to do it. And that's why we go out and share the gospel. It isn't because we are the ones that are saving anyone. Yes, ma'am. We're going to get there in just a second. Or we'll get, not in a second, but it's on the latter part of our lesson. So we will get there. So, your scenario, how would you, like, would you confront them if they, like, I guess I don't understand how the conversation This is the conversation. Is Joseph, and I are, Joseph and I are having a conversation. Okay? So, Joseph and I are friends. This is a conversation. And I keep hearing him say, I chose God. I chose God. I chose God through our conversation because I'm asking him, how, how did you, you know, how do you know that you're a believer or whatever? And kept coming up with the, I chose him, I chose him, I chose. That's the scenario. How are you going to, are you going to hear that for one? Is that going to strike a nerve in your head and say, that person is not understanding biblical salvation, Okay. Is Joseph still saved? I, you know, I, as far as I would uh, guess, it's, you know, I, no one knows for sure, but this is not a salvation issue. And I want to make sure I drive this home. Whether you are, believe that man has a choice or that God does all of it is not a salvation issue. It's an understanding salvation issue. Does that make sense? Did I, is, that, is that clear? Okay. So if you believe that you can choose God for salvation and you uh, fulfill all the requirements that you have faith in Him, that you're not doing it by works, that it's, a, you know, it's all a work of God in, in that, but you believe that your part of it is you had to choose Him. But all of what we would teach as far as understanding Scripture, as, you, as far as salvation as you would agree with, I would consider you saved with a poor understanding of how salvation works. Dean. Um, that, was, that was an issue I always had growing up in the, the fluffy Christianity I was raised in. Was we get to choose, we get to choose. But I always wondered how that's not the work in itself. I'm doing something. So it feels like I have to put it apart to be saved. But it, seems, it seemed to me that, well, that's, that's a work. I'm not saying by works. How does this work? Yeah. That was a question I always have. Well, and, that, and, that's, I and that's excellent. And, and that's on here as well, on the lower part of our, our lesson. Um, but really, I get back to the how do we choose when we're dead? That's really the driving force of my whole what transformed my thinking. I can't choose him, I'm dead. 
That's why there's scriptures in there that talk about him bringing newness of life. We are born again. These are all new. We are new creatures. New. This is bringing us from death into life. He brings our spirit alive. All right, let's read these. Uh, yeah, I guess we've got time. All right, let's read these. 1 Corinthians 2.14. All right. Okay, what is this saying? Does not accept. The natural man, this is the depraved man, this is the, the dead spiritually man, does not accept the things of God. There's no exceptions in there, is there? There's no clause in there. It says they do not accept the things of God. And they can't understand them. So that means that with that you can't, as an unbelieved, un- unbelieving person, you cannot pick up the Bible, begin to read it, and become saved on your own. I got blank stares at me. <laughs> right? Can you pick up the Bible as an unbelieving person on your own and trust in God? No. Because no. God has to bring it to life in us. We don't understand the words in here outside of the spirits guiding us through it because yeah, we're dead. Yeah, that's another thing. Just, I mean, like again, back to like evangelism and like, well, all the other guys I talked to, you know, well, they'll tell me they have for the New Testament. They have them for something. Like, okay, obviously, you know, God has not opened your eyes to this. Yeah. 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 You cannot just read Scripture and become a believer. Now, I will say, you can read Scripture and become a believer. I will say that. But only if God brings it to life in you. We're not going to, through what Jessica just read there in 1 Corinthians, we don't understand it. Scripture does the illuminating through the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, it, it is a work of God. Okay? We do not choose Him. We won't choose Him. And Scripture says that. Okay? Romans 3, 10, and 11. Three. Romans, sorry, yeah, Romans 3. Yes. That's okay. Romans 3, 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It kind of, I mean, you can try to argue with that. You can try to make that say something it doesn't. Uh, but it pretty clearly states, what does yours say, Joseph, in the King James? Oh, you have the NASB now? Does somebody have a different trans... Does somebody have anything else then uh, that says uh, none seek for God? I'm just... Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but... Well, if you back up to verse 9, Paul's making it clear that it's not just about others. He says, we are in Yep. Yeah, this is, this is referring to mankind, not saved, unsaved. This is referring to mankind in its entirety. It basically says the same thing in King James. It just has to work. <laughs> uh, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They have together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Yeah. None that seeks after God. So, can we choose Him if we can't seek Him? If we won't seek Him? It's kind of hard to choose someone that the Scripture says we won't seek. Can't seek. Can't understand. Okay, there is none who understand. What does that mean? Well, we can't understand what is being... There's none who do good. So, obviously referring to upon that we are sinners and that we won't seek God. We are haters of God. Okay? Romans 8. All right, we just covered this not too long ago. Romans 8, 7 and 8. Go ahead. Who's got it? I got it. Sure. I would say that that's relatively plain. Um, because the mindset on the flesh, okay, this is talking about unbelievers, all unbelievers, is hostile toward God. If you're hostile to someone, you're not going to choose them. You're going to run from them, right? Or you're going to fight against them. A hostile person is not someone that, you're, that you would think of, well, eventually they'll come around. <laughs> that, that's not the idea, okay? For it does not submit itself to the law of God, for it does not even, for it is not even able to do so. It's not even able to do so. So in Romans 3, it says we won't seek him. In Romans 8, it says we're not even able to refer back to being dead. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I would say that that is a very clear understanding that we are unable in ourselves to choose God. It's not something we have the ability to do. All right? Now, just quickly, are, are, is there any, that's a huge part of this lesson. Is there 
or any other comments or thoughts or questions on we can't choose him? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter how spiritual you are, right? You probably couldn't find a more spiritual person than Paul. Um, but yeah, Paul was just as lost as lost could be until God knocked him off his horse. I haven't got there yet. <laughs> we are. I, mean, I better hurry. We are under God's wrath. Okay? Christian, or uh, the world is under God's wrath. This is important. Okay? Everyone is under God's wrath. Romans 8, or Romans 1.18. Okay? Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodly and all unrighteous of men, of men who uh, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay? Um, then we have John 3 and 36. John chapter 3, 36. Someone else grab Romans 2, 5. Romans 2, verse 5, and John 3, and verse 36. Okay, read it. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Okay, the wrath of God abides on him. We are under wrath, okay? Romans 2, 5. Go ahead. That's okay. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Okay. Why is this important that we understand that we are under wrath? It goes back to the deprived nature, the sin nature, that we, we're under condemnation for our actions. We're separated. We are destined for wrath. It's a big deal, okay? It's a really, really big deal, and I think that needs to be understood. Ephesians 5, 5 and 6. Ephesians chapter 5, 5 and 6. Lots of verses today. Ephesians 5, 5 and 6. For this you know with certainty that no moral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Okay. No one's escaping it, right? Everyone is under the wrath of God. It's important to note that and remember that. There's no one that escapes it. Okay, your next point is we cannot work for our salvation. 
this has, there are some, uh, as Dean was brought out, um, that would understand a mindset of we choose God for salvation uh, would be a, considered a works-based salvation, okay? Um, I, this also would be clearly in the context of the state that we're in. It's a very works-based, okay, false salvation, okay? Scripture is very clear, very, very clear that we can do nothing in and of ourselves for salvation, when we understand this and we start looking down through this Sunday school lesson, each thing kind of compounds on its, you know, on the next. And it, it, we can't choose him. We can't work for. We can't do anything. Ultimately, why? Because we are dead. It all goes back to that. We're spiritually dead. Dead people don't know that they're dead. right? They don't know that they're dead. Just like lost people don't know they're lost. Not lost like I can't find directions, but they un unregenerate, okay? Uh, they don't know they're lost. They don't know that they are in desperate need of a Savior. That's why God has us go out and share the gospel with them, and then he uses that to, uh, to bring them to himself, okay? Um, it's very, very, I believe, clear in Scripture. So when we read Scriptures that might say something to the contrary, we come back to this and say, maybe I need to do some research on how do I understand that God wants all people to be saved. Well, that doesn't sound right. Okay, Scripture, there's, in Timothy it says that, but... We know that that not be the case. And so we, we interpret Scripture in light of Scripture. What is clear and to help us understand maybe something that isn't as clear. Okay. Ephesians 2.9. We're all very familiar with this. Ephesians 2.9. Um, not, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay. Romans chapter 4 gives us this same. Romans 3 talks about it as well. Um, Romans 4 is talking about Abraham was justified. Um, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Okay, He wasn't justified by works because no one can be saved because then we would be boastful if we were saved by our works. Okay, Romans four, um, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty. <laughs> Pretty much the, that whole section there is really, I mean, the, the verses are three, or verses two through five, um, but the whole concept there is Abraham was justified by faith, not by works. Okay, so very important. All right, now we're going to get into the latter part, God's unconditional election. God's unconditional election, okay? God chose us 
from the what? <laughs> a very confident way, uh, way of saying that. Beginning. Yeah, God chose us from the beginning. Okay, let's move to these quickly. Okay, so Ephesians two four, Acts thirteen forty eight, John fifteen sixteen. Okay, Ephesians two four. Who's got it? These are sword drills. Remember those? You guys ever do those? Sword drills. Here we go. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Say that again. Two, four. Yep. One, four. Sorry. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we would be holy and blameless before him. Okay. Chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Acts 13, 48. Who's got it? Okay. Yep. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Okay, they were appointed to eternal life. Okay, this is in time past. And then John fifteen sixteen. Who's got it? Okay, Joe, so that answers your question right there, okay? You did not choose me, I chose you. So you could put John 15, 16 up there on your we don't choose God set of verses too, okay? He chose us from the beginning, and we didn't choose him, he chose us. Salvation is a work of... God, and God alone, okay? Salvation is a work of God and God alone. John 6, 44. There's a lot more references to these, but we don't have enough time. <laughs> that is, that's the, that's the understanding, okay? John six forty four and Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. What does Ephesians 2, 4 through 9 say? This is a section of verses that we should all 
hold dear and be able to grasp onto this Ephesians. Um, if we don't preach through it soon, when we get through with Romans, um, maybe I'll put a plug in with the other elders and we'll, Dean and I will teach through Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. Okay. Such a clear passage on it's a work of God. 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 Entirely a work of God. Yeah. Yeah. This is all in God's predetermined plan. Okay. Now, getting through all of that to get to our main uh, or, or the verse that we're getting to today. Okay. I think that the way that going through all of that, when we see what verse 30 is saying, I think it really brings out brings all of what we just went through to life. Okay? So Romans 8 and verse 30. And those whom he, okay, you see what I've done there, right? He predestined. Okay? And I'm going to give you a verse uh, here. Ephesians 1 verse 11. Okay? Ephesians 1 and verse 11. Yes. Okay, I'm going to give you all of these and then we'll come back. Okay, He predestined. And those whom He, okay, and I'm, I'm emphasizing that for a reason, He predestined. He, He, He also called. Okay, He called. Tim, 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy 1.9. And those whom he called, he also justified. He also justified. Romans 5 9. Romans 5 verse 9. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Wherein this, wherein this, what's that? Uh, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Where in this verse do we see we have any, anything of ourselves in this? See it? Okay. Um, predestined. I think we all have a pretty good understanding now of this is something that happened before the foundation of the world. God chose us, okay? He chose us before foundation. That, that goes into verse 29 where Dean covered last work. For he foreknew, he also predestined, okay? So Dean covered that last week. For those whom he predestined, he also called. God does the calling. So this falls perfectly in. We don't call ourselves. God does the calling. We don't justify ourselves. God does the justifying. And we certainly don't glorify ourselves. God glorifies us in uh, the age to come. So, um, 
hopefully that gives a, uh, a very clear um, picture of um, the steps that it took me years to go over. Um, I'm not wanting to say that in the fact that it's going to take everyone years. I was stubborn. I was... I told my brother he was a heretic the first time he told me and started to share this with me. There's no way. There's no way that God is purposely sending people to hell. And I would have ugly conversations with him. And I'm just thankful that my brother was kind to me and patient and, and would just, Mark, read this. Tell me what it says. It's really hard to get around that we're dead. And we can't choose him. It's really hard to get around these verses. So hopefully um, as we get into chapter 9, um, we'll have more conversations on this. Um, and what this will ultimately do is cause us to fall in love with him all the more. Joseph. Main text is Romans uh, 8.30. The main text is at the bottom. Yeah, I purposely did that. Had to get there first. And, and again, we've covered all of this, but I thought it was helpful to bring this back up and really go through it again. Now, we're going to do this in a similar form. Um, at the end of chapter 8, we're going to go through Romans 1 through 4, and then Romans 5 through 8 uh, in two different classes and recap what we've learned, answer questions. Now, this is something um, that Dean and I want to do, and maybe next week, I didn't bring it this week, but maybe next week I'm going to bring a list of everything that we've taught. If you're missing a lesson... I need you to put your name on that sheet by the lesson you might be missing, okay? And if I taught it, I'll, you know, we'll bring, we'll look through it and Dean and I will bring the lessons needed to make sure that if you've missed them, you have them. You can go over them and ask questions or give comments during that time uh, here in the next, I'm not sure how many weeks. Just depends on how, however long it takes us to get through the end of this. Okay, um, so hopefully that was helpful today. Um, there is any other more questions or more uh, clarification, uh, please don't hesitate to come and ask myself or Dean or Jeremy or Tyler. Okay, uh, four of us wholeheartedly agree on what we're teaching. So one of us are busy, come grab another. Make sure you get your questions answered. These are important good questions because it gives us a very good and uh, right understanding of who God is. And that's very, very important when we talk about the most important work ever done, salvation. What's interesting, I've already gone long, so I might as well go longer. Um, what's interesting is when you think that man has a choice and that God takes his his sovereignty off of salvation. The one purpose that God came to earth is to redeem and to save and so on. And that's the one thing he's going to take his sovereignty off of and leave it up to man. 
kind of gives a scratch your head moment. Like, why would that, why would God take his sovereignty? Why would God be sovereign over everything except for salvation? That just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. God is sovereign over everything, especially salvation. He's the one that does the choosing, not us, okay? This is entirely work of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the clarity in it. And Lord, I pray that we would be refreshed in you, uh, have the ability to share your, your word with a lost world, Lord, uh, that we would see you uh, redeem them. Lord, I pray that we would have hearts burdened to share your truth for uh, mankind. And Lord, that we would understand and share it in a way that it, we understand that this is your work. It does not depend on us. It depends completely 100% on you. And we thank you for that. In your name, amen.